just if you mess up, it's cool. Cool if we just run it back. Okay, um, cool. I'll just start recording then now, and then you can do what you got to do with the the edit on it. Um, if you could add some hair, that would be awesome. Other than that, <laughs> like just take from yours and put on here, and we'll we'll be good. <laughs> Yeah, brother, you made a mistake. I'm a. I do post edit. That's gonna happen now. <laughs> yes, They're like who is that? He looks familiar. The scowl is yeah. what I recognize. But yeah. did he grow his hair out? Right over the winter break, baby. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, no so doubt. side note. So this shirt is a like a cranberry red shirt that I'm wearing, and the only reason I'm wearing this one specifically was on the news this morning as I'm waking up. Both our newscasters had on a red this shirt and then ginger z on good morning america had it on i'm like is it just the day to wear this so i'm like screw it i've got to wear it if ginger z wears it yeah i'm down <laughs> she wore it a little bit better than me but that's a whole different story hey that's objective that's objective well we'll let the market decide that bro. <laughs> <laughs> there you go without cool man so i uh i guess we'll we'll, we'll get straight into this with um Let's start with maybe like a good power statement. Let's think of that. That might be good. Okay. So I'm going to start. I'm, I'm going to probably kind of sub, I'm going to blast another company without saying their name, but like, Hey, we did, we did a review on somebody before and like your guys' stuff is like way better. So I'd like to have a quick little introduction, you know, who you, I'll let you do it. Right. And then, and we'll see what, what works better. If it's me introducing you before on like the intro, or if we let you just introduce yourself on this side, yeah. that'll sound better. So let me let me blast them. And then you we'll go. Right? Rip. All right, here we go. So today I'm with my friend Aaron, and I wanted to talk a little bit about what you do with your company, brother, because we recently at Cloud Sherpa covered a conversational type of AI before, but yours seems to blow them out the water because it's a lot more natural in the way that it presents itself. And being focused on CX, I'm so excited to get on board with you between our partnership through our mutual uh, consortium, as well as knowing what you guys can actually uh, do versus what it looks like on paper. If you don't mind, introduce yourself a little bit, who you are and who you work with. For sure, thank you so much. So Aaron Acri, I'm the head of channel here at Smart Action. Uh, it's been a, a, an amazing journey here. So the company's been around 22 years, 14 years they've been specific in conversational AI. Um, and what's interesting is before COVID, right, there was probably two of us. It was us and maybe one other company. COVID hits and then everyone is just jumping in. AI has just kind of exploded in terms of vendors. But we've come into the market. We, we have a new CEO that started last year that's really kind of changed the focus, but kept that core experience technology in the background. Because to your point, one of the most important things in conversational AI is that it's conversational that you're able yeah. to have a conversation versus, hey, I just changed the press one, press two to say one, say two, right? We wanna be able to say, hey, how can I help you? And if you need to give a little bit more of a prompt, I can help you with things like doing stuff like that to, uh, to allow that person to, to get a little bit more comfortable with it. And the reality is we've all worked with uh, voice uh, IDAs that just don't work. And, and that makes the customer experience so much worse. So our goal really is to allow the, the agents to not have to take a lot of that mundane tasks that they don't want to do anyway, while at the same time allowing the customer to get things done, self-service, in a much more effective way. And once they're able to kind of taste that, then all of a sudden the, the adaptation just grows exponentially. Man, that's well said. I think one of the ways that we talked when we first linked up was 
everyone's kind of like, oh my gosh, AI is taking over until you start seeing some of the benefits. Like you're saying now you taste and see that it's good. You're like, what else can this thing do? Right? Like when we first got introduced to self-service at a, at a grocery store, I'm like, dude, I'm not trying to, and where's my paycheck? Right. And where's my yeah. paycheck? And then you're like, can I check out alcohol? Can I do that? Is that a thing? Yeah. Once I realize how fast the line can move. So it's weird how we become so like combative almost against AI. And I think it's just out of, and I mean this like candidly, it's a little bit out of ignorance. We just don't know much about it. It's a bit ambiguous still. And then everybody's slapping AI onto it. So mm-hmm. how is it that you distinguish yourself in that sense where you have AI in your title, but you're not just slapping it on? Like, is this is this LLM, right? Um, is this more where you guys have put presets to coach it and then it's like non-monitored? Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, you hit on a lot of different things, right? One, when you say AI, you've got like 20 different people will have 20 different views of AI, whether it's the Terminator all the way to I'm putting in security to like the the robots that they, they've made now. Um, there's there's a lot of different versions of it. So I think to the change factor, there's definitely always that that issue of bumping up against like I, I like what I have. And to your point, once you realize that you can utilize it and it makes your life easier, whether it's on the agent side or the customer side, adaptation is increasing. In terms of how we do it, and again, we, I point back to that experience. We've done NLUs, we've done LLMs, and really it depends on what we're trying to accomplish because every customer is going to come to you and say, hey, I want to make my customer experience better once, once you get down to the brass tacks of it. Yeah. And, and how you do that is, is going to be a little bit different for everyone. It's the same thing with the integration topic, right? Hey, you see, we integrate into Salesforce. Awesome. You check a box. But what does that exactly mean to that customer? How do I actually deep dive into what they're wanting to have happen? And do I use the NLU? Do I use the LLM? Typically, what we're going to end up doing is an LLM, but having a wrap around what we're, we're calling guardrails. Because at the end of the day, what we want to make sure is when if you're a veterinarian clinic is what I use a lot. Okay, I'm a veterinarian clinic. I can listen to every single word that you say in any different language. And I come and say, I've got a sick cat. If the LLM doesn't understand that it's a cat and it's like, oh, I heard the word bat or I heard fat or I heard like all the different iterations of it. If you don't have guardrails around it, all of a sudden I was like, oh, I'm so sorry about your sick bat. And the person on the phone who's got a sick cat is going to be very frustrated because it's like, why would I have a bat? Like, do I sound that weak? Screw it. Agent, agent, agent until they can get off of it because now they're frustrated. Um, and so the, the guardrails that we put around in the so we're, we're kind of protecting of what we're listening for instead of saying, I'll listen to anything and everything you say. I want to be very specific in, in what I'm going to accomplish here. Good, man. So the guardrails being parameters, right, so that I'm not able to talk about necessarily things even though it is conversational that i'm not just talking about anything that the system's going to put input and try to force into an answer is kind of the idea right what out of curiosity what happens man if i do say something that the system isn't familiar with what happens then so the the completely up to the customer right like we'll have conversations and walk them through hey what is it that you want to accomplish and and typically what we try and coach so you've got the spectrum you've got the i never want anyone to talk to a human um, fill in your local cable provider. And then you have it to the point where it's like, hey, the moment someone just hesitates even half a second, I want a live person and you don't get the full advantages of the AI. We're, we're like, hey, let's get more to the middle. And so we'll have a conversation and it's called a confusion transfer. So again, in the example of the veterinarian clinic, hey, I can help. What can I help you with? And you go tomato. 
Well, I understand the word tomato, but it has no relevance into what we're talking about. And so usually we give it two to three times to make sure like, hey, maybe there was background noise, something on the kid yelled something in the background and that's what it picked up. Um, but if you say tomato again, then we'll do a confusion transfer, which can do multiple different things. Typically, it'll go to a live person and say, hey, uh, this was a confusion transfer. So you might want to dig in a little bit deeper on that. Um, it can be something where you send it like the the worst case scenario. If, if it's after hours and you're still unavailable, you can say, hey, sorry, we weren't able to help you. And then you can go down another path that way. Um, but it, it, it really is up to the, it, that's the great part. It's customizable. What does that customer that I'm selling to want their customer to experience? How do they want to be experienced? Got you. So customer, we're talking not necessarily end user. We're talking about the person, like the business taking this on, which I think it's important too. how you're, um, you know, it's interesting. Everyone, everyone knows that they want to have a very unique approach to their own business. And yet it, it's actually in this customer experience that really does separate them that'll determine methodology. And mm -hmm. I think that's what you're to speak to your point of one swing of the pendulum or the other, where it's like, no, get somebody immediately or not. And like miss out on the advantages of AI or no, man, we're going to go the frontier route. Was it you that I was talking with about this, about like frontier going completely right? Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, that's yeah. a great plug. We literally just did an, an ebook with that. Like what, the, what happened when they went completely voiceless and some of the issues they ran into. And I think part of it was just, not having a trusted advisor like you going in saying, Hey, there's other ways to do it versus just saying, Hey, we're going to get completely rid of it. So um, great little plug yeah. there. Appreciate it. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> dude, I think it's, it's, it's silly how we all know, dude, the phones are terrible. They're normally terrible experiences and it's such a high traffic area, even with my generation that, 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 that thereafter who doesn't like really make it a point to talk to people. You, you still are yelling representative. It's still one of the things that's like built into our nature, right? We know how yeah. to scream for help. And one of those is for representative. Yeah. <laughs> when I get Agent. I'll, I'll use every different word I can think of to get someone on the phone. <laughs> Human. Yeah. Yeah, right. So what? What? Um, one thing I think you guys do great as well is monitoring, which I want to get into in a moment. But is there something that happens either like it's not brought up early enough in the conversation that maybe by the time a customer, a potential customer finds you guys and they're like, I love this idea that maybe the foundations aren't built right on or their thinking isn't wrapped around correctly. Is there anything that or that you run into typically maybe at that point in the conversation? So I, I this I think those tie in nicely. So one is a lot of times because the it's a the self-service is, is a big thing, right? Like companies are like build or buy and and they'll run into us and like, oh, we want to have full control over this. Can you just give me the platform and and I've got smart people. They'll they'll take care of it. And and as much as a lot of companies do, they have a lot of smart people and they could probably build something that ties into a a Watson, Alexa, whatever. The reality is it's the after the sale is complete, after we have implemented the the virtual agent. It's that time after the fact that's crucial and most of the time and and we've all been in business or or jobs where we just don't have time to do everything that we're tasked to do or that's our assignment, but monitoring it after the fact, even, you know, so we do something called hypercare for between two to six months, depending on that, uh, the customer and the needs we're watching like all the time, like a hawk, seeing where they're dropping out more frequently. Are we having more hangups somewhere? But the fact that most companies don't have the resources to really sit there and babysit and, and monitor and watch and, and train it. 
they're like, oh, okay, I've got uh, the, the computer will do it on its own. And as much as there is artificial intelligence and learning that, and it's trying to, it doesn't, it hasn't got to the point where you can just take the human out of it and that, that watchfulness and the guidance and make yeah. it work as effective. And that's really one of our secret sauces is we're hyper-focused on making sure that if there is an issue, how do we tweak it? What are the things that we see? Bringing that back to our customer and saying, look, your end customers are referring to something like this. What if we add this in? Or what if we tweak this over here to make it a better experience? And, and so it's a lot of times they come in, they're like, hey, just, just give me the tools. I'll build the house. It's it's not that hard. I've, I've seen come it on, on TV. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Yeah, that that arrogance has gotten us in a lot of trouble as just business overall. Just the idea. It's not to say you can't build it to your point or that you don't have smart people. It's maintenance after the fact, right? Correct. Like everyone, it, like we, for some reason, I get this in fighting, right? I get this like, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying this as a viewer, a spectator of like UFC. It's hard to get the championship belt, but dude, it's hard to keep it. It's yeah. very hard to keep. It's a different type of training you need to do to keep that hungry and stay at it. Yeah. And so- Everyone's always kind of like enamored by the shiny, the new shiny toy until they have to manage it. And it's the cost of ownership. This is this hidden cost. So it's interesting. So your point kind of goes right back into the monitoring side. How do you, how do you like effectuate that change? Cause it sounds like in a way it's like almost like you guys are like a knock, right. Or something like that where you guys are watching, but it's for specifically this conversational AI as opposed to, you know, another subject area. So like, how does that work? Do you guys have people, who are monitoring that way or is it like keyword sentiment tracked and you guys get reports and are on the reports? How does that work in your world? So it's a little bit of both. Um, one of the things that we definitely do differently is so not only do we have the account manager, which most people have realized by now that an account manager is, is there for sales, like retention, upsell, that's kind of their main focus. But on the other side, we have a technical account manager and their goal is, is completely that is watching the applications, the agents, making sure that they're they're hyper focused on understanding what's going on. So we have reporting that we get from the back end. So we'll kind of look at that as a as a help bar. But then they're also going in and, and going and listening to calls and understanding. Hey, I see a couple calls or a couple places where we had we, what we call hang up twos, which is they've interacted with the agent at some level and then they still hung up. Now some of that is going to be like, hey, I got another call. I don't want to do this right now, so they hang up. Nothing you can do about that. But it might be that they said, hey, how can I help you? And they said something, but we didn't understand it. And it, it could be a, a litany of things, right? It was mumbled. It was something outside of our purview. It's something we don't want them to being able to do that, like completely out of the, I want to assassinate the, oh, okay, we're not doing that. We're not going to help you with that. But yeah. it's 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 understanding why is it that that hangup happened and then going back and, and studying it. And if you see a pattern of it, it's all right, this is something we need to to account for, to talk to. And that technical team is doing it versus the sales uh, oriented side of it, who's sitting here going, okay, now that I've helped you with these two or three things, because we we typically don't say change everything all at once. I'll handle every single call that you come in. That yeah. That's not a typical reaction that you want to have. You want to kind of baby step your end customers into it. And so we'll handle two or three things. And then that account management team's like, all right, we've done really well with these two. I can schedule, I can authenticate. What about order status? Like those type of things. Technical account managers are hyper-focused on making sure that that virtual agent is truly doing what it needs to do. And that's that's crucial. Not everyone does that. Yeah, I would say that's a distinguisher for sure. It's like you have a project manager for the AI, right? Correct. So, so to speak. 
That's a that's an interesting way, dude. So you you guys call it a technical manager. That's that's the term that you use in house. Uh, technical account manager. Yeah, and that's that's included in our pricing. It's not like some of the other companies were like, hey, for an extra twenty grand. I'll throw in George. Man, and I'm man, like, you know, stole my thunder. That was going to be like, and how much does that cost? Right. <laughs> Sorry about that. My bad. No, dude, that's, I think that's, that's excellent to, to point. Cause a lot of times it's, it's sold out the box until you're like, Oh, out the box. If you have the right setup. And yeah. then that's where all the back end work ends up getting kind of, you know, shoehorned in. Correct. So, and you guys have been doing this, you said, I mean, for, for quite some time, but since the COVID ramp up and all these other people who are slapping on AI to that, how are you guys mitigating um, some of your competitors that way where either you can rule people out. Like how, how do I distinguish, like you said, there's a difference between a Terminator and a Roomba, right? Like I got <laughs> two different types of AI here. So, so, so how do you guys distinguish yourself from people who are just slapping AI to this conversational uh, tool? So, I mean, we, we go back to the three differentiators, one being the experience, because there's, there's very few companies that have the, the depth of experience that we have. Um, the second thing we, we like to talk about is, is how long we are with that. So we, we've hit on kind of two of our, our big differentiators. And then the third is we're, we're not looking to, to professional service someone out of it. Like the ROI from a, an AI solution typically is really large between five to seven digits, depending on volume and et cetera. But if you're having to pay six digits up front to be, hey, you're probably going to get this ROI and we think we're... We, we're very hyper-focused on let's make it make sense in, in focusing on the mid-market where it's not as like there, most companies are like, I want to go work with Ford and Coke. And as much as we have some big names like that, really for trusted advisors, that sweet spot is the mid-market. And so we're, we're hyper-focused saying, look, other guys, their minimums are, are not even anywhere close to where we're at. We're willing to let you get that foot in the door because we know once we get one, what we call an intent or one virtual agent working, there's going to be multiple other use cases almost always. And we'll do the lane and expand portion because that that's a great way to show value. You're not having to sign up for the $150,000, but you know that you can grow it to that amount if you show your value consistently. Yeah, it's well said. It's another reason I think we play well in, in mid-market. It seems to be an area that there's a little bit less red tape to effectuate the kind of change that people are hungry for especially when they've educated themselves a little bit. I mean, most people nowadays have information really readily available. The difference is the onslaught of that information. You're getting fire hose waterboarded with data on a regular basis. And so it can be hard to distinguish, which may be why I asked the question that way. It's not like, you know, there isn't a, a, a lack of companies saying AI is a way to go. It's a matter of why is this AI different and why would I consider it as opposed to listening to all the other type of data that come to us? So you have it, for instance, a report is a thing is helpful, right? Market research, helpful, helpful so that I can see that you're also putting your ear to the beat of the street, what's happening right. and why these things don't work necessarily on paper or in practice as they do on paper. Because, you know, I think Frontier probably meant well, right? They were like, <laughs> we, we, we know it's terrible service, so maybe we just eliminate it. Like that's yeah. not how you solve the problem, guys, <laughs> Yeah, you know? I mean, and it's it's a lot of it's funny, a lot of things happening now in the BPO space where they're they're realizing, hey, my customers really do need a, a low cost. And so they'll they'll off offshore it and and then they're getting kind of a, a, a pushback on that because it's not accomplishing what they're looking for. And so if you can even even less cost than an off offshore, bringing it in and still getting some of the stuff and not saying, hey, I have to take care of every single thing in one fell swoop. Let's take out two, three minutes of a conversation from a human 
And, and that's really where the difference lies. If I can take out two or three things, because every minute it's anywhere between without offshores, like 50 cents to a dollar per minute for a live human. Whereas we're sub 30 cents. And, and that's, that's not even getting super aggressive, like high volumes. That's saying, I just want, that's a huge savings right there. Yeah. I, I, two minutes off. I say 40 cents per minute. You have a million minutes. Yeah. That adds up quick, very quickly. Yeah. <clears throat> so and if if we can, I'll, I'll maybe tap into this as we start getting ready to wrap up here. Like soft, I'm thinking like soft costs, right? Like like mm -hmm. what's the 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 other side of the physical price of ownership of okay, I'm in. Do you guys have any data on what the agent experience is? So like for the company that purchases, do you have it by chance any data on like the the agent who's now dealing with maybe faster call times or improved KPIs? Like, do you guys have any data on that quite yet? So, so we have quite a bit of data. Um, and again, it, it's hard because I, I can give you lots of the, the feel good data, like CSATs have improved because now they're not waiting on hold as long. They're not being misunderstood as often. So, um, you know, we've had one customer that their CSAT went up to a four and a half out of five stars on CSAT when they were sub four beforehand. You, you look at average handle times being reduced. And again, I can do use cases where there was one where an insurance company, their average handle time to verify, uh, and it wasn't, it was verifying insurance for a medical company was 15 and a half minutes, average handle time. Not like that was the outlier there. That's a long time that we can verify insurance within three minutes. Like for most cases, like again, not there's the outliers, but average handle time shouldn't be over three minutes to know if I have coverage to have a doctor see me. And, and so those are places where the extremes really make the, the the KPIs look great, but kind of tying it back to the earlier on that monitoring, that's one of the main reasons we have that technical uh, account team is to show, hey, the KPIs we're talking about that we want to solve for this specific customer are being met. And you can see it quickly versus, hey, let's wait till the contract renewal three years from now. We right. were pretty close or yeah, right. even with a QBR, three months is a long time to to be pseudo blind. And so making sure that you have that, that visibility, like, Hey, the KPRs, KP, KPRs, KPIs are matching up to, to what we had talked about in pre-sales. And we, we typically say, here's a conservative amount. Here's the more aggressive. And we find that most of the time we're going to be somewhere in between because we we're uber conservative and then aggressive is like, if everything works, which yeah, assuming, yeah, everything is all peaches and creams. Right? Yeah, which, so you want to find that that happiness, but you want to be above the minimum because if you say here's the minimum and you go below that, then something needs to be fixed. And and that's, okay, again, yeah. why we have that team to ensure that we can push it above that conservative estimate to, to hit a true good ROI. So the person that made the decision to buy or the people nowadays can go back to the CFO, the COO and say, look, I, I did a great job. And, and that to me, especially in the partner community is the number one thing that we have to accomplish, making them Absolutely. look like they made the right decision. Absolutely. Like we're very, very much focused on making who we are introduced to look like the superhero within their own organization. And part of that is, is in this, it's interesting. What we're talking about here is a trust transference, right? Between you as a supplier to us as an advisor. So when we meet someone who is in need of help, we can bring them a, a trustworthy ad, advice that when they bring in and they actually implement or they it, introduce that to that like high end team, that executive team that ends up signing a check and saying, yes, this was a good decision. Looking at that ROI when time comes 
uh, through that they're like, they don't feel as if, man, now my ideas are worthless. Cause this is what ends up, it's, it's like the same brand experience. It's just on a very micro level yeah. talking about the individual or the team of individuals who end up, you know, bringing the ideas to the company, wanting it to not bust. They're trying to improve the place, which man, there's so many people who subvert even the, the company like uh, missions because they are unwilling to step up and say something about what they think could work. Mm-hmm. Um, they're scared about, you know, being the one that ends up bringing an idea that gets implemented and then doesn't work. Yeah. It's like almost, it seems like more of a, a, of a, of a fear than it does a payoff, which I think that's kind of where we need to really make a point as both the provider and the advisor to, to do what we say and mean what we say when we have these sit downs. Correct. Right. So it's funny, man, you brought up CSATs and like, sometimes they can be so conflated as they are. Like, somebody being satisfied with the call doesn't necessarily mean they're going to recommend them. And so I, I don't necessarily think that CSATs should be thrown out the window personally, but I do think that like, internal CSATs almost where the agent goes, man, my job is now easier, mm-hmm. not because the workload is less, but because I'm very competent in my work and this helps me, the tools, the training that's involved now help me accomplish that so I can serve more people in a, in, in a specific amount of time. I'll tell you, dude, just from your insurance example, man, I'm, I'm twitching like donkey from Trek. Like, oh, my gosh, dude, I, I I wanted to rip my insurance up this year because of how long it took just to find out basic, basic data. Yeah. And uh, self-service isn't always uh, there. So, <laughs> no. And that and that's the thing. It, it's it's funny because to your point of making a, an agent's life easier, if there's an hour plus hold time on anything, anything, us as consumers are going to be frustrated, even if it's the call me back, because at the end of the day, nine times out of 10, when I've done a call me back, I'm on to the next thing. If it's more than three minutes. Yeah, I'm I'm busy. (laughs) And and so then when I finally do get a hold of a live person, I'm frustrated. And I know that because I live in the space, I have much more empathy for that person taking my call than the, the common person does. Not that I'm better. It's just, I have a little bit of like, Hey, I get it. It's not your fault. But there are people out there, they don't. And they just lay in to agents that did nothing wrong, except they're just doing their their job. And and so if you can reduce that and say, look, you don't have to have that because I took out two thirds of your just, what are your hours? What what is this, you know, common, uh, commonly asked question or frequently asked question? If, If I can get rid of that. And so the queue dwindles down or even when there's a spike, and and the, the company didn't staff correctly because they didn't know, they couldn't know something happened. But now because a virtual agent doesn't care, it's not like, oh, well, I was on a coffee break when that happened. All of a yeah. sudden, now those calls, that agent has a better life. That's just one very easy solution in reducing that is I've, I've taken out a lot of hold time, much yeah. less if they don't even have to talk to anyone because I've resolved whatever they had. So right. those are the things that you have to keep building on. And and to make that agent experience even better, man. I wish I wish there was more of an approach toward this. I love that, that you guys have this now because at the end of the day, it may not be your primary flagship of hey, we're here to make your agent's life better. But as a former agent, man, there's like they tell you to check it at the door. So you get enough people yelling at you during the day. Sometimes that armor isn't put on correctly before you come into work, and you'll take that stuff home, dude. Yeah. And then you end up starting to resent the company, and then the company branding goes down, not because of maybe what the customer facing is, but the guy who's wearing your uniform when he leaves. 
right? Is like now he now he's not necessarily a happy camper or wanting to promote the company, which is like really wasted resources. But right. it's it's just sometimes hard from right when you're on the mountain peak. So I got maybe one more one one or two more things I want to lay up to you and we'll roll, man. Yeah. If you were to if you were to talk about where the bodies are, right? Where I want to either know I want to know where the bodies are on conversations like this, where you're like, dude, this was like a terrible situation that we were able to rectify, or we weren't able to help because someone was too deep in the water, or something that you think would be pinnacle for someone to consider when they're getting ready to implement this into their system so that they can improve customer experience. And they should like certainly consider this when they're whether they're weighing weighing out different AI tools, if they're just getting introduced to AI, like you can die by um qualification here. Where like I'm so busy learning, you'll never stop learning. Do something new is always happening all the time. Mm -hmm. So if you could give me one of these two, man, I'd love to help end cap our conversation. Okay. What what do you think? Uh <laughs> that, I mean that's that's those those are good. I'm trying to think um how I would put it because at the end of the day, the the reality of it is you're you're right. It's it's over analysis causing paralysis because there are just so many out there and, and it would be an easy layup to say, look, Hey, look at the experience. Look at the, you know, the, the customers that we have and the growth that we've had within just those customers, because that's the number one to me. If you're, if you're growing the base that you have that that's huge. And that's something that smart actions had to do because we had to overhaul our entire sales organizations. We, we effectively did not have a great outbound, including the channel, up until, and again, this is very arrogant, till I came on and on the channel side and, and have rebuilt the channel. But I, I think the the reality is there's there's a lot of that. We talked about this earlier, the fear of of something, of repercussions, and it's understanding the trust factor within it. And and so there, there's a lot of flashy companies out there. There's a lot of PE money out there where they're throwing money to say, hey, let's go do X, Y, and Z. And, and the reality is, and this is why I love my job in the channel, is, is the relationships that you build. You realize that technology is, gonna, is technology and there, there's good, there's bad, there's the middle. But the, the relationships that are built by trust, not by the flashy, hey, we went to, you know, the, the North Pole together and saw Santa. But we, we actually have built trust in the trenches through people saying, look, they'll tell you the truth, good, bad, and different so that you know where it is. And when there is a hiccup that they're going to overcome it, to me, that's crucial. And that that relationship that I have built with partners and then partners have built them with their end customers is really the where the magic happens because there's always going to be something better in the next two, three years. And everyone, like including ourselves, hyper-focus on R&D. But you, you can't tell the future today, but you don't want to wait because the, the cost of waiting is, yes. is going to outweigh the I, the the YOLO or uh, FOMO. Sorry, FOMO. Oh my gosh! I what if the next I signed a contract too soon and then like you, it really is understanding that dynamic and finding the right opportunity. And again, sales is all about timing. Finding that right opportunity at the right time where you can make something happen, where it's it's good change for the company and be able to grow off of it and understand that the company isn't stagnant and it, no company you you partner with should be stagnant. And I don't know if that made any sense because I rambled quite No, it does. Actually, it makes me want to tee up. So, like, if I'm mid-market, right, I fit this kind of bill of the <clears> avatar. <throat> um, and I, I I have this pressure, right? I like that of I don't want to wait. But I also realize that, like, I don't 
I, I can't learn enough fast enough for how much things are changing. So I need mm-hmm. to do something, right? Or the market's going to squeeze me out. When When is it a good time for me to start considering this? Do I have to wait for a contract to be up? Should I be waiting until like, you know, uh, until that agreement is is coming in place so that I can start reviewing? As most people's kind of waiting at this point. Where, where, when is a good time for me to start looking at this type of uh, implementation? So the, the interesting part, we're at that point where probably 10 to 15 years ago, UC was. We don't run into a whole lot of I'm replacing a conversational AI. It's more of a I have X. and it, I mean, X can be anything on-prem all the way to the highest, most powerful CCAS company in the world. But I still need a little bit more. I need to have something that can help affect whatever it is, because this is not a really a technology spin. This is a human capital spin that we're, we're replacing. That's where the savings really comes from. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, we really don't care where it is. So almost any company, um, it really is a good time to have the conversation because I, I can guarantee it, especially when you're above that, like call it a hundred employees, there is a huge need for something. And, and the fact is, because we're agnostic, we're not saying you have to use only X, Y, or Z, or you have to use my brand of this. It, we go wherever it is. We don't have, it doesn't matter if you change from nice to five, nine, to talk to us, to whomever, like we can be a part of it and still fit into that strategy. And, and that's where I love the partners. Again, the best of breed, you don't have to say, well, I have one hat. I can only sell this one thing. So it's of course the best. Right. Um, in, in understanding that you don't have to take the entire bite in one. It's the old adage, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? I don't have to try and eat an elephant in one bite. Take the parts off, get your ROI, improve it out. Um, because there, there's probably not a contract I'm waiting for to expire. It's more of a decision-making process to say, hey, here's where it is. And yeah, your, your UC might be expiring, so you're waiting on that. Put me on top now, earn some of that ROI, and then if you choose to change your UC at the end, just let us know and we change where we point or it's over to the PST and I don't even have to change anything because it's just going to the phone number that you ported. Yeah. Um, and so that's really the, it, it's trying to just say, hey, let's get your foot in the door. And that's another reason why we want to bring that cost of entry down. So it's not a, hey, for $100,000, you can see if I'm telling you the truth. Like, yeah, right. That's really that's a, a big spend, sell. especially for a company that size. That's like, dude, that's I got to put all my chips in. And then that has to be a good bet, which is where when we do get introduced, sometimes there's like this level of like, I just I want this to work. But if it doesn't, my job's on the line. My yeah. team's job is on the line. So that's a good point, man, where it's like you don't have to put 100 grand in in order to be able to see some type of improvement and tr- and like have that proof of concept sure. and then scale based off of what was most important then. Correct. Know? One, one other thing I'll say, and a huge point on the mid-market, and, and I think we kind of danced around this a little bit, but in the mid-market specifically, the customer experience is so much more important than it is at the huge enterprise because there's a lot of, lack of a better term, monopolies out there where they have the attitude of, what are you going to do? And so the customer experience does not matter as much, not saying it doesn't matter at all, but it doesn't matter as much as when you come into the, I have to be like, I'm lean and mean fighting from every single customer. I know my numbers because I have to, because the guy across the street or the girl across the street is trying to take my lunch. And so that's one of those huge things is where can I make that advantage become truly an advantage over my competitors? 
And, and it's not a, I, I want to be as good as like AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile. They, they really don't care. Yeah. They're all just swapping around. It's one of the three. You're going to go to cricket. Yeah. yeah. Um, and <laughs> when you're in that mid market, it's, there's 10 choices and you have to yeah. really be really good at what you do. So that, that would be the last. Dude. Excellent point. We, we touched on that Derek and I, in our episode on uh, PCI compliance. And it was like, dude, target, target could take a hit when it comes to their brand reputation. Like, and that's a big hit that you, they got to be willing to sustain, but, but a mid-market company does not have that freedom no. to take a hit like that in their branding or in their, it's just, they just don't. Correct. So very well said, brother. Thank you for your time today, man. I'm really grateful for you being able to help expand on this. And then ultimately, I'm looking forward to helping introduce you um, as as a solution more often with some of the people that have been playing because it is it is a wonderful thing to remain agnostic in the terms of which technology we're going with. It's a matter of does it do what it says it's going to do and does it play well with what you have or what are building towards. So it's good to see that you guys you know, aren't necessarily like it has to be our product or it has to be the specific two or three lines of products because that does sometimes prevent us from recommending really good providers. Oh, for sure. And it's, it's interesting where the AI solution is a, oh yeah, we also do that. Like I, I don't want my front line of defense to be an, oh yeah, we, we also do that. Like make it your specialty. Like that first interaction with your customers needs to be on point. And if it's not, what kind of message is that sending to them? Man, you dropped the mic. That's it. <laughs> we you told right me there. we were done. So I had to have that last bullet point in there. <laughs> Very well done, brother. That's good. Yeah, what? We got it. All right. I'll stop it. recording.